Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. What's going on, everyone? My name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. And this one is, I'm sure, a very special one to many of you because the Bills just came to Miami and did the job that they wanted to complete. They defeat the Dolphins, albeit in a rather uh, roller coastery fashion, by a score of 21 to 14. They finish the job, win their last five, Captured the AFC East, captured the number two seed in the AFC, have clinched themselves at least one home playoff game. And if they win that one, they'll get another home playoff game. And what has significantly, this win anyway, what has significantly impacted their potential playoff path and how much of a legitimate shot they could have at the entire thing. So we are going to get into a little bit of everything here on this episode as we kind of break down what happened, big picture, things like that, uh, and certainly where the Bills go from here with with some specific injury things. But I wanted to start off big picture because everybody knows that the Bills won and it's 21-14 and the Dolphins now have to go to Kansas City and the Bills have completed this this turnaround that um, seemed bleak at best after the Philadelphia loss once they went to their bye in week 13. But now the turnaround has shown this Bills team and the way that they have played these last five games, and you could even include the Eagles game, even though it was an overtime loss, The way that they have gone about this thing is showing that they are as resilient a bunch as any team entering the postseason and one that has gone through probably as much or more adversity as any team entering the playoffs this year, period. So what do, what exactly does that, that mean? Because you can sit here and say, oh, they've gone through adversity, all this other stuff. They've done a great job at, at getting to this point. But to me, it means that they have reached their lowest point probably two or three times this season. And they have gone through dramatic shifts, whether it be you know, from energy, from playing style, going through what they did in firing their offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey, staying in-house to keep, uh, to make Joe Brady the interim offensive coordinator and to give him the, uh, give him the reins 
in trying to help rescue what has ailed the Bills offense from, from you know, being what was holding them back in the first however many weeks of the season it was. And so hitting all those specific low points of the year have really set them up to where they can battle through this uh, these past five games the way that they have. Three of them coming up, coming against teams that have double-digit wins, two of them being division winners and will be hosting playoff games next weekend, and one of them obviously would have been the division winner had the Bills not beat them this evening. So what's interesting to me about the Bills and their journey and and this path that they're on, and this is what I wrote about in my column over at The Athletic, you know, pretty much just wrapping up all my thoughts on this game itself in addition to what's next and moving forward and everything like that. And I believe... With due respect to the teams that they have had and the chances that they have had from 2019, from 2019 through 2022, those four seasons were mightily successful and ones that, you know, they got a lot of regular season wins. They advanced in the playoffs and some of them, but I don't know that the Bills and the way things broke for them, not only with what they did for themselves down the last five games, but also with how everything broke around them within the AFC. This 2023 and now 2024 playoffs might be as good of a look as they ever have to win, not only win the entire AFC, but maybe even the whole thing. And I don't say that lightly. You know, y'all know me. I am very logical. I don't like to get too hot takey, anything like that. But when you look at the potential paths for the Bills, if they handle the things that they probably should handle. This is as different of a playoff run as they've ever had, potentially. Start start off with how things broke today. Or should I say yesterday, because I'm recording this at 2.30 in the morning on Monday. Look how things broke. The Steelers, obviously, they beat the Ravens backups, and so that was one that we kind of expected. The the Colts-Texans game did not end up in a tie. But the fact that the Titans were able to upset the Jaguars severely chopped in half, I think, the potential for the upset potential for the Bills' Wild card game that they didn't know they would have had before this evening. If the Jaguars had beaten the Titans, that would have meant the Texans, 
who seem like a pretty tough out at this point, would likely have been up against the Bills in that 2-7 game. As the Bills obviously beat the Dolphins. But because the Titans beat the Jaguars, that puts the Steelers into the crosshairs of the Bills. And the Steelers have struggled on offense. Their defense is their calling card. But they lost their best defender, very likely for this for this upcoming weekend's game in TJ Watt. He's dealing with an MCL sprain. And with the Bills being at home, where they have only lost once all year, and that was a very slim loss to the Broncos in what took the Broncos a last-minute drive to do it, That puts them at a pretty in a pretty good spot for this wild card round. So you would expect that they probably handle their business. And we're, we're going to go over the matchup more as the week kind of goes on. But just from watching these two teams play this year, you can clearly see there is a talent disparity. Doesn't always mean everything in the playoffs. Surprises happen every single year. But this opponent of all the potential opponents seem like the one that the Bills would probably wanted to have seen the most. If they were to get by this game, that would set up for a first for them in the divisional round. Which would be that for the first time since McDermott and Bean arrived and since the Kansas City Chiefs have become the absolute playoff arch nemesis that they have to the Bills. The Bills have never played the Chiefs anywhere but Arrowhead in the postseason. And by things breaking the way that they did, by the Chiefs losing some weird games down the stretch and putting their max win output at 11 to where the Bills hold the head-to-head over them, that very win set them up for a potential home game in the divisional round, an advantage that could be the most fruitful it's ever been, especially against a Chiefs team that has struggled on offense uncharacteristically this season. And even if the Chiefs don't make it, let's say the Dolphins move past them uh, this next round, that would mean the Bills get one of the Browns or the Texans at home in the divisional round. And both of those guys are playoff newbies and asking them to win two in a row is probably pretty tough. There are just mounting reasons for optimism for both of those first two rounds. And let's say the Bills do advance. And this is there's a, there's a long, long way to go. Let's say they do advance to the AFC Championship game. They would be up against either the Ravens on the road, where they won last year, different offensive coordinator, but pretty similar personnel. And that was before the Ravens really got hit with a lot of their injuries last year, too. And it's also a Ravens team that they beat in the playoffs a couple years ago. Close games, mind you, both of them. 
but the Bills have played them extremely tough and, and won their last two against them. But the Raven, this Ravens squad is a different one than, than what they've seen each of the last two years. So I will say that. But if it's not the Ravens, then it would be a third playoff home game. So the Bills' path is the reason why, and you know, two of those games potentially being at home, possibly three. But if it's not three, then you know, showing that they have been able to win at the place that it would be in Baltimore. To me, it just reeks of a massive opportunity. And we all look back at the 2021 team as the team that that was robbed because they just, they ran into a buzzsaw in the Chiefs. They couldn't put them away. The Chiefs offense was an absolute dynamo that year. But the Bills just, even though they played as well as they did offensively, they just could not finally put the foot down on the Chiefs to eliminate them for good. 13 seconds happened. Chiefs go in and win in overtime. And the Bills, great playoff hopes in what was probably their best shot at it to date, was gone. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing The Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. But the path itself and some of the similarities to the 2021 team with this exact Bills team and the winning stretch that they have gone on and how they've won in different ways and how it's, you know, whether it be Josh Allen leading the way with the offense like they did against Dallas or the defense leading the way in a few of these games um, down the stretch here or even as big of a play as Deontay Hardy made against the uh, made against the Dolphins and heck even the last couple of weeks Sam Martin punting the ball as well as he did I didn't I didn't come into this thinking I'd be giving Sam Martin kudos for the turnaround but I mean, it all plays a role they are picking each other up when one of the units doesn't have their best shot and that to me is as dangerous of a of a team heading into the playoffs as you can find because knowing that they've seen the absolute worst of the season a couple of different times the loss to the patriots heck the loss to the broncos was one of those the firing of their offensive coordinator who mostly everyone in the offensive room universally loved And then being able to turn it around from there, combined with the path, it just, to me, this reeks as as good of an opportunity 
as maybe they will ever have under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And not only is the path there, like there's no Joe Burrow lurking around the corner this year. The Bengals are out. Burrow was out for the season. It knocked them right out of the playoff race. They're facing a team who has started three different quarterbacks this season and will likely be starting a player that opened the year as their third-string quarterback in a road playoff matchup. Then you get a somewhat down Chiefs team at home. Like, the path is there. It's there for the taking for the Bills. And if they're to squander this one away, this, I think, would really be the one that got away. Just because of how well they are set up. So we are, you know, the way things broke and how everything looks right now, it's looking extremely promising for the Bills. They are, they should be considered this way, and they are bona fide Super Bowl contenders this year. And if they were to actually advance to the Super Bowl game, anything can happen in a 60-minute football game, and I'm not ruling out just about anything this year with this Bills team. I have seen them be at their absolute best. I've seen them be at their absolute worst at different stages of the season. And they're back up to their best again, even in a game against a really good Dolphins team where they didn't have their best for a lot of the game. So... This team, to me, just seems like a massive opportunity. And we'll see how it all ends, but that's how I felt that this show needed to begin. Because understanding the moment, understanding the possibility, from a logical perspective... Sometimes you need to be lucky for these runs and to play the right team at the right time. In the right place, mind you. The Bills kind of have all that going for them right now. So we'll see how it how it all unfolds, but it looks promising for the time being. All right, let's get into some of the details from the game because, you know, would be remiss from not going over uh, what was just an incredibly interesting game. Um from open to close. The Bills look good, look good at the start, then they didn't, and then they did again. <laughs> it's the best way that that uh, I can kind of sum it up. The offense actually came out and looked great. Like, they were averaging over seven yards of play, um, but they were undone by turnovers and, and mental errors at, at, the, at the opportunity for points point. Josh Allen... Looked to be on his game early on in drives and then made a mistake. And it undid all the good things that they had done up to that point. So, to me, seeing how they began the game, at one point, Really in the in the second half. It was after Josh Allen was hit with a sack fumble after a, a pretty solid drive to get them in Dolphins territory. Those opportunities for points, um, 
those opportunities for points just got away from them so many times. The first drive of the game, that was potential three or seven points. Second drive of the game, another interception. Another potential for points. He threw a pick on fourth down, but, you know, better play call, and they're probably putting themselves in a position for a field goal. Then uh, Then at the end of the first half, throwing the ball short of the goal line without any timeouts, and then watching as Ty Johnson gets stopped two yards short and watching as as the time expires. Just three separate missed scoring opportunities. And then again, the sack fumble when they're in the Dolphins' territory. All of these different moments, they all rack up. They're like, okay, maybe, maybe it's just not the Bills' night. And maybe we'll just be right back here again next week for these two teams to play again to see who can advance to the to the next round. And if the Bills would have advanced, they would have gone to Baltimore um, had they not won tonight. It just seemed like everything was against them. But then... Uh, then it all kind of turned for them um, at the specific stage of the Deontay Hardy play. It was a pivotal moment, not only in the game, but in the potential trajectory of their season and their playoff campaign. Because at that point of the evening, the Bills looked like they were going to lose. And even on the punt itself, the Dolphins booted it all the way to the Bills' four-yard line. That's usually no-go zone for for returners. But Deontay Hardy brought it in, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there the Bills were watching as this guy who has really struggled to get any time on the field on offense over the last two, three months, effectively save their potential playoff campaign, marching it down the field for 96 yards and as quite possibly the fastest player on the Bills, nobody on the Dolphins was catching him. And that moment, as soon as that moment happened, it was, there was just a flip. With the entire roster. You could see it. You could see the energy just permeate on the sidelines. It was the mood booster that they had been hoping for the entire night that usually someone else provides, whether it be Josh Allen, whether it be a big play on defense, things like that. And the defense did set up the punt. I mean, they did force the Dolphins to punt the ball, but still, it wasn't the shot in the arm that the Bills needed like early on in the game the first Dolphins drive Tua throws a pick on a great play by Christian Benford and that was a big shot in the arm right then and there but it was undone by these misfires by the offense and then you know the Dolphins being able to march the ball down the the way that they did and showing some real success in getting Devon Achan into some space and specifically out wide and putting pressure on the two linebackers 
for going side to side, something that we have not seen them had to deal with that type of speed so far this season. And and they they crushed it in the first half. There was no doubt. Like that that was single-handedly one of the most difficult things, if not the most difficult thing for the Bills to contend with uh, from a defensive perspective. So that goodwill from the first interception was undone. And there there it was just this slow dissipation throughout the entire game of okay, what else is going to happen? What else is going to happen? What else is going to happen? And like I said, to the Bills' defense's credit, they forced the punt that brought on the Deontay Hardy play. But if not for Deontay Hardy making that play in that moment, I don't know what happens from there. From that point forward, it was pretty much all Bills. Three and out for the Dolphins. Bills get the ball back. Best offensive drive of the game. Marching it down. Eight plays, 74 yards, over nine yards per play. Ending it with a touchdown. After so many failed drives, ending it with the touchdown. Next defensive series, three and out for the Dolphins. And on those two three and outs for the Dolphins, they they gained a combined four yards on those six plays. Then the ball, the, the Bills get the ball back. And there are a couple of different points where it looked like they were close to giving the Dolphins the ball with a lot of time left and some timeouts left. But then you get a moment from Josh Allen, even though he wasn't at his best for much of the first half, making a lot of different mistakes, three turnovers by his own doing. And right after a delay of gameplay, Following a time Miami timeout that set them back to a third and 13. Allen went into sicko mode on a scramble and got past the sticks for, for 15 yards and to force the Dolphins use their final timeout before the two-minute warning. It got the Bills to under two minutes to go. I mean, heck, the fourth down conversion on that drive, too. That was another huge moment, especially deep in their own territory. Loved loved the call on that, by the way. Trust your players to win a yard. And they did it at the end of that drive that wound up not getting the first down. But at that point, the Dolphins' timeouts were zapped. They were under two minutes to go. And the Dolphins basically needed to be perfect to get the ball down the field, to get it in the end zone, to try and either force a tie in overtime or, or go for two and, and win the game outright. So even though the Bills' drive didn't end in the end of the game, it still did a pretty effective job. And then the defense came in the game and, you know, there are a couple of solid plays for the Dolphins because you're not giving up the big play. But then they force a, a big incompletion of, uh, of Tyreek Hill. He has to come out of the game because he's kind of like slow to, uh, slow to get up and was slow to get off the field. And then the very next play with Tyreek Hill not on the field, Tua throws the ball up to chase Claypool and Taylor Rapp comes down with the, with the interception to 
end the game for the Bills. All they needed was a couple of kneel downs and it was done from there. And it all began this, not this arc, but just this build up the mountain began because this seldomly used offensive player that they signed in the offseason who hasn't really made a play like this one at all this year for him to return a punt for a franchise record 96 yards for a touchdown. It was just one of the biggest moments of the season for the Bills. Completely changed the trajectory of the game. And without that play, I think we we are probably coming back to Miami next weekend to cover a football game. But that's not how it went. He he changed their fortunes. And so a lot of credit has to go to him and the rest of the uh, the punt blocking group that was on the field because they just did an outstanding job and then Hardy Speed did the rest. I did want to get to some individual standouts, not named Deontay Hardy or Josh Allen, things like that. And, you know, some players that stood out maybe the way that you've seen and some, you know, some that stood out from a, uh, a snap count perspective. On offense, I think getting Stefan Diggs going the way that they did was vitally important. And, and you, you almost felt like it was going to happen this way just because they were down Xavier Howard. Uh, Eli Apple is not a good cover corner, even though he made a nice play at the goal line to keep Ty Johnson out. Um, not a good cover corner. Cater Kohu, not a good cover nickel corner. Um, they had Jalen Ramsey, but even Stefan Diggs cooked him on on a route that should have gone for a touchdown. That's one I forgot about with Josh Allen. Completely missed on a potential Stefan Diggs bomb that would have got them a touchdown. Overthrow. Just like it was... It was last week and the week before that missed on a big throw down the field. You have to think that that's going to go their way at some point in the postseason, if not next week. But getting digs going even outside of that was was just huge heading into the playoffs and and certainly ends maybe some frustration to get him more involved in the offense. So he did a nice job. Um, Also have to. Like Khalil Khalil Shakir, man, he just he was doing some work against Cater Kohu uh, uh, in that game, the, the nickel corner for the Dolphins, and that's someone who struggled against the Bills in their Week Four matchup as well. Uh, Shakir has just come on so well for them, and especially with Gabe Davis going out the way that he did, for Shakir to stand to um, to step up the way that he did was surely just a just a huge thing for them. And then Dalton Kincaid too, the tight end. Huge receptions down the field, a couple of 20-plus plays. Kincaid has turned into an absolute stud for the Bills. They have, again, just like they did last week, committed to Kincaid playing more snaps than Dawson Knox, which is smart. Um, There hasn't been a ton of 12 personnel crossover over these last three games. It's gotten gradually higher over the last few games, but not anything close to what it was at the beginning of the season. Knox still has a solid role, but he has clearly taken a backseat to Kincaid when they're in passing mode. And that's that's the right thing to do because Kincaid is just a different beast entirely. 
and is closer to a receiver than he is a tight end. And that presents some matchup uh, disparities for them. Like you saw when the Dolphins foolishly had Melvin Ingram, who was not on an NFL roster like a month ago, out in coverage one-on-one against Dalton Kincaid. And the Bills just lit the Dolphins up for it after they recognized it. So Kincaid is another one of those. And on, on the defensive side of things, you can point to a lot of people Dane Jackson stepping up with a key uh, pass breakup, but Ed Oliver to me, you did not notice him at all probably, but the dude played over 90% of snaps by my count. Like he was, they would not take him off the field for basically anything, only for a few snaps. Um, From what I saw, he played all of the second half snaps and that is so abnormal from a defensive tackle perspective. And he, and he set up his teammates pretty well, especially like when the Dolphins couldn't get their ground game going in the second half. Ed Oliver was one that, that really stood out um, from, from that perspective. So uh, he did a really nice job there. But the downside to the game, even with all the positivity that came from turning the game around and getting the number two seed and getting a home playoff game, injuries were a huge component for, for the Bills today. They lost three starters to injury for the rest of the game. And one key contributor in Ty Johnson. The three starters, obviously Rasul Douglas, which is a tremendous loss for them. He has been one of their best players so far. Um, We'll see what it means uh, moving forward if he has a chance to play against the Steelers, but uh, definitely did not have him for the rest of the game uh, due to a knee injury. Gabe Davis left the game early due to a knee injury. It was after... It was on the same play that Dawson Knox um, gained 17 yards along the sidelines. Davis went out after that play, was not seen again. I think he had like 14 snaps total or something like that. I don't have it in front of me. But uh, Gabe Davis out. And even though he has been hit and mostly missed from a receiving standpoint, he still played a mighty role with a very high percentage of snaps for them for the entire season, for the last two seasons. So if they were to be without him, that would definitely be a bit of a, a downturn for uh, for what they had hoped from their offense. Because as frustrating as Davis can be, he's still able to pop for some pretty big games. And, you know, the playoffs, he has been known for popping for a big game. So... Uh, we'll see on him too, but that's another knee injury. And then the other one was Tyrell Dotson, who uh, left the game with a shoulder injury, did not return after being out early, and we'll see about him moving forward too. So those are three starters that left the game due to an injury. Deion Dawkins left uh, for an entire series. He did not play on the entire series that uh, the Bills marched down for 74 yards and a touchdown after the 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 Hardy punt return for a touchdown. That was Ryan Vandemark in at left tackle the entire time. So they had to overcome that, but Dawkins did return to the game. So they'll have their offensive line intact for the Steelers game. So that's that the, at least one piece of good news. So of the three guys that they were without, here's kind of what, what's going to happen from here. I would expect uh, Dane Jackson to step into the starting lineup if Douglas can't go, and then Kyrie Elam be their 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 top backup. Uh, Jackson made some nice plays, but we also know that a good passing offense can really uh, cause him to struggle. 
And next week's opponent isn't isn't exactly a prolific passing offense, so they could probably get by with it. But if Jackson had to play against the Chiefs, that's a different story entirely, potentially. Um, Tyrell Dotson was replaced by Balin Spector, almost unexpectedly. Usually it's been Dorian Williams, the rookie uh, outside linebacker, who was their third round pick in 2023. But this time around, it was Balin Spector. And there was at least like a, a minor hint of that with Spector be- coming in for base defensive work when they when opposing teams would go heavy he would come in as the third linebacker and sub in for Taron Johnson but it was unexpected that they would entrust him in this two linebacker role I think part of it has to do with Dorian Williams just making some mental errors while in the few plays that he was on the field uh, when they needed him to be over these last few games so I think for them, they probably favored having someone who they thought would have a good hold of the defense as opposed to someone that might be a little bit high variance. And I thought Spectre did did a, did a pretty solid job. Um, there were some plays that he w- he maybe overran or was, was blocked out from that he should have gotten through. But uh, outside of that, I think, I think Spectre played pretty respectfully after not really playing many snaps this season uh, on the defensive side of things. And then the other one, uh, Gabe Davis, if he can't go, then Trent Sherfield is going to see his role grow uh, pretty significantly. And it also opens up the Bills, I think, to try and see if there is a, uh, a veteran that they could add to their practice squad that could help their depth and just – you know, maybe not play a huge role for them because it's going to be tough to bring anyone in right now to help them win in a high snap role. But even still, like bringing in another piece that could help, like it also opens the door for a guy like Andy Isabella, but Isabella isn't really an outside receiver. It's kind of like, okay, well, what do you have? It's Sherfield is really the, the best outside receiver you got left. Shakir is going to continue to play in his uh, slot role. Hardy, they still just want to be kind of a bit player type. Even when Davis went down, Hardy's snaps didn't go up all that much. So that uh, that's why I think getting someone that can be a boundary receiver that they would feel comfortable enough with bringing up for the game, I think there is some potential there if this Davis injury is going to linger. So Again, a big we'll see with all of those guys, but uh, but definitely some concerning injuries uh, as they head into the postseason. All right, let's get to some awards because uh, I need to get to the airport right after this. So uh, we'll, we'll talk more as the week goes along, obviously, but what, let's get to the awards real quick. All right, the Dree Archer Award for the player or players that did not show up at all in the game. And I'm going to go with the combination of Puna Ford and Tim Settle. And here's why. Because Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones basically played the whole freaking game. (laughs) And when Daquan Jones wasn't in there on some passing downs, Greg Rousseau was on the inside. I had Ford and Settle at under 10 snaps apiece, which is wild to think about. Oliver was out there constantly, constantly. It was crazy to see how how much of a, uh, a snap share he had in this game. But I would expect that to continue because... They view Oliver as their best defensive tackle by a mile. Uh, Daquan Jones saw one of his highest snap shares of the year. I would expect that uh, to be the case moving forward. 
the Vontae Davis Award for the player thing that did not show up in the second half. How about the Dolphins' run game as the Vontae Davis Award? The Dolphins, after rushing for a ton of yards, over 100 yards collectively in the first half, rushed for under 10 in the second half, and really didn't attempt that many rushes. The Bills kind of shut the door a couple of times. There was one really nice play by Terrell Bernard to get through some blockers and to meet uh, uh, Devon Achan in the backfield for a loss. But that was probably the most successful part of the Dolphins' offense, and it was taken away from them, or they got away from it. Whatever the case may be, that was the Vontae Davis Award. The Matt Barkley Award for the player... That caught you by surprise for good reasons. Could have gone to three separate people in my mind, but it has to go to Deontay Hardy. Like, he has not made a play like that at all this year. And then in a huge spot, returns a punt 96 yards for a touchdown. I can't go to anybody else. The other honorable mentions, Trent Trent Shurfield, who had some really nice catches down the stretch in the game and played a lot of snaps for the Bills once Gabe Davis went down. You know, he he deserves some Matt Barkley consideration. Same thing with Balin Spector, who stepped in in a high snap role in a role that we had never seen him before uh, in in this game specifically with the AFC East on the line. So uh, so he got some Matt Barkley consideration. Blaine Gabbard Award for perseverance, giving that to the Bills run defense for a lot of the same reason that the Dolphins run game got the Vontae Davis Award. The Bills kind of shut the door a little bit more in, in the second half, maybe uh, persuaded the Dolphins not to run the ball as much. It's kind of interesting that they had a couple of negative uh, rushes and and it helped push the Dolphins away from it. So uh, Bill's run defense, Blaine Gabbard Award for Perseverance after absolutely getting roasted in the first half. And then they got to watch the tape award. I'm going to give it to Ryan Vandemark. I don't know how well he blocked on the... Uh, uh, on the Touchdown drive, but I'll give him the gotta watch the tape award because I think he deserves some recognition for stepping up in a huge spot for one of the Bills' best offensive linemen and keeping the ship afloat to help get them down the field for a touchdown. So Ryan Vandemark gets the gotta watch the tape award to see how he did. But I think it will reveal him holding his own on, on those eight plays to uh, to get down the field for the go-ahead touchdown. All right. So that's going to do it for me. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills are AFC East champions once again. They are the number two seed in the AFC. They will host the Steelers at Sunday at 1 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. We get another 1 o'clock game. Isn't it wonderful? I know it is for me and my sleep schedule. But uh, be it as it may. The Bills will host the Steelers next week to see if they can advance to the divisional round once again. And if they do that, they'll have a home game to see if they can make a return trip to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 2020. A lot on the line and a definite opportunity as we discussed at the beginning of the episode. So thanks everyone for listening. My name is Joe Biscaglia and we will talk to you later in the week as we get ready for Bills Steelers on Sunday at 1 p.m. See you then.